as we look at the story of Esther and her extraordinary obedience, I invite you to have a seat. As we look at the story of Esther, Esther is a person that a lot of us know by name, and we know kind of the outline of the story of the book of Esther. And we're not going to dive super deep into all the details, but we are going to concentrate on just a little bit of that story to see how God used Esther and her obedience to save his people. And so when we think about obedience, we really, there's two kinds of obedience that we, that we look at. And the first is an obedience that comes from love that comes from love. And that's demonstrated in this quote from Dietrich Bonhoeffer. He's a pastor who lived in occupied Germany during World War II. He did things like lead uh, underground seminaries. And when he preached, he always taught about the love of Christ. It's there no matter what's happening in the very tough times like they were in at that moment. But his quote, one act of obedience is worth 100 sermons. And then you have the other side of obedience that that comes out of a a state of fear, right? This thing, Teddy Roosevelt, obedience of the law is demanded, not asked as a favor, right? So you you have these two opposite ways of, of looking at obedience. Is it coming from a place of love or is it coming from a place of law and fear? Like this is what you have to do. And so, keeping these in mind, we look at the story of Esther. Now, Esther is a very unique book for a lot of different reasons, namely because God is never mentioned. The the name God is not used in the book at all. And so, it, it gives us this, like, oh, that's kind of interesting. But it gets even more interesting if you go into the story. Because the first couple chapters of Esther show us that Esther is uh, living with her cousin, but she's taken in to live with a a king of a different nation. Now, God has uh, time and time again wanted his people to stay with his people and not intermix into the communities that are around them because that means that those gods will come into the community. And then you have a lot of partying that is happening in this book, too. And so there's all of these different things that are happening that make us scratch our head a little bit as we start the story. But as we look at the story, we see that there's some key people in it. You have Mordecai, who is Esther's cousin, who is like a father figure to her. You have the king of Persia, who has just disposed of his wife at the time and said, I need a new wife, which is why all of the beautiful young ladies had been brought into the capital city of Susa. And then you have this other gentleman whose name is Haman. And Haman hates the Jews, right? There's a story behind that, but he wants nothing but to have a massacre of all the Jews who live throughout the kingdom of Persia. And so he tricks the king into writing a a decree. Well, not really tricks. He just kind of gets him to write a decree uh, that this massacre can take place. 
And as that is happening, we see a discussion that happens between Mordecai and Esther. And Mordecai is, is like a coach. He's like a mentor. He's standing alongside Esther as she's going through this journey with the king. And she uses these famous, or he uses these famous words that, that we've probably all at some point heard and maybe applied into our life. For such a time as this, right? For, for Esther, it's a reminder that she is Jewish and that if this decree goes out, she's going to die. That God may save the rest of the people, but living in the palace— her life is going to end unless she does something. And so you were set into this position, but for such a time as this. And in her response, we get this um, idea of what extraordinary obedience looks like. You see, Mordecai wasn't just lifting up her life or his life, but it was a we. It was a whole community of God's people, loved and cared for by God, that he was asking her to do something for. And her response ends with, and if I perish, I perish. If I die, I die, which is really a reality for her. Because the king at that point, if you entered into the court unrequested, thumbs up, you're okay. Thumbs down. You're probably going to a guillotine, right? And so in this, Esther is taking her life into her hands to save God's people. And she does it from an act of obedience that comes from love, knowing that, that she is loved, her people are loved, that, that the community of God that he has set apart for his mission is loved she goes in to the king. And as she does that, and as she goes from this obedience of love to what God has called her into, she throws these banquets for the king and for Haman. And in our reading, we, we read the, the last response that she gives to the king. Take away this decree. Let my people not die. Hold, like, let, let them live. And he does. And he puts Haman, because of the hatred he had, because of the fear he had, he is put to death. And, and God's people survive another, another day. And God uses those people to, to bring about his will and his mission that everyone in the world would know that they are loved and they are forgiven. And, and so this story, even though God isn't mentioned, it points us forward. It points us ultimately to Jesus, right? And so as, as Paul is writing the church in Philippi, the, the book of Philippians, he gives us this statement in your relationships with one another, have the same mindset as Christ. So as we are together, a community set apart by God, knowing that we are loved and f like we are poured over in grace upon grace, right? That we see who Jesus is. And being found in the appearance as a man, he humbled himself 
in becoming obedient to death, even death on a cross. Jesus' obedience comes out of a place of love for all humanity, that God wanted everyone on earth to know that they were cared for, they were loved, and that his forgiveness covers them. And and so in Jesus, we see this example uh, of humility, of sacrifice, and of obedience that comes from love. But I don't think we're all called to go and die a death on a cross, right? That's, that's not where we're at today. So we have to ask, that's what Jesus did for us. So what are we being asked to do? What, what are we being called to be obedient in? And I think that's where our gospel lesson comes into play. You see, these guys who are so smart, who knew the law, who lived it out, who were kind of afraid that they might do something wrong, that they might not be worthy, that they might not get it right, so they might miss a chance at everlasting life. We're trying to trip Jesus up, trying to trick him and give him an impossible question. But he answers it in a way that they just are astounded. He says this, love the Lord your God holistically. Love him with your heart, your soul, your body, everything you are. Love God. And he could say that because he knew that God loved them, right? We love because he first loved us. And so Jesus answers in this way that says, yeah, here's your task at hand. Here's what's being asked of you. Love the Lord your God because you are loved. But he doesn't stop there. That's not the end of the story. He goes on to say, the second is like it. Love your neighbor as yourself. Now, I think when we hear this, oftentimes we hear, love your neighbor. But we miss as yourself. I have had the blessing with sitting with several people over the last few weeks who, who aren't um, in church or watching or, or have any affiliation with the church. And, and there's one resounding message that I've heard, and it's this. I'm not worthy. I, I've done too much wrong to be able to come in. I don't even know what would happen. I might get struck by lightning. It's, it's that bad. And, and, and there's this idea— there's this idea that, that you have to have everything exactly right to be able to be covered in God's grace. But that's not the case, right? We are all covered in grace. We are all loved, and we are all forgiven. That means that, that as we hear from God in our lives, we can respond and be obedient and that obedience comes from a place of love. Now, not everyone has that problem. You're here or you're, you're watching, and so you, you have, have that step, right? But, but for some people, that's even just thinking about God is an act of obedience because that's just not where they are. And so the question I have for today and our challenge is, what are you being asked to be obedient in? 
And how do you respond? Do you respond out of something that comes from love and an obedience that comes from love? Or, or do you respond in fear? My hope is that knowing that grace covers you and where you're at today and tomorrow and the next day, that you're able to hear what God is speaking into your life and respond in obedience that comes from love. God asks us to love him, love ourselves, and love our neighbor. And in that, he speaks into our lives. He speaks in through reading his word and the Bible. He speaks into us through prayer. And if we take a a moment and look at that story of Esther and her extraordinary obedience, it comes from the people around us as well. That she had Mordecai there to help mentor and coach and speak into her life. And so the question is, What is God speaking into your life? What are you being called to obedience in? Knowing that you're covered in grace, we can respond to that that call, that to-do list, whatever you want to call it, in love, in obedience that comes from love, knowing that no matter what, even if we get it wrong, even if we stand there and we say, okay, God, we want to, we, we hear you and we're going to do it and we falter and we fall. Guess what? He's still there. He is still there for you to help you get up and help you see what he's asking of you and to respond in obedience that comes from love because of what he's done for us. And so, question is, what is God asking of you? And that's an individual question. I can't stand here and say, I think he's asking A, B, and C. But as you read his word, as you pray, and as you have people speaking into your lives, what is it that God is asking you to be obedient in? My hope is that as you hear his word, and you, uh, you, you come to an understanding that you can respond in a place of love, that your obedience comes from a place of love. And, and if you need help in any of that, uh, of knowing what God is speaking into your life, or, or how you respond to it, or coming at it from a place of love because you are covered in his grace, we're here to help. We're not here to just say, here's, here's the challenge, and go and be and sit in it. But our team, our team here at St. Michael wants to walk with you in this challenge and say, you know what? Let's, let's dive into it together. Let's discover what God has in store for you together so that we can help respond with extraordinary obedience that comes from love. And so reach out. Reach out. But the question at hand is, What is God speaking into your life? And how can you respond out of extraordinary obedience that comes from a place of love, knowing that you are loved? What is it? Amen. As we go in on with our worship, we we take a moment 
to give back to God what he's first given us, our first fruits. But it's also an opportunity to us to reflect and to say, what is God speaking into our lives? And as we do that, we're going to pass the offering plates, and you can give there or you can give online. And also, there's a connection card in front of you in the, in the chairs or the pews, or um, it's, it's called an IM form if you're online. And we love to have you fill that out just to let us know you're here. But it's also a place for you to let us know that, that you would like us to reach out and walk with you in this challenge, right? And, and just see where you're at or help you figure out what it means to live with extraordinary obedience that comes from love. We also give back to God with music. Thank you. <laughs> 